0: There are some tequilas that rely on using a celebrity to sell their brand, while others contract with a distillery, never really knowing how the tequila is made or what's being added to it. And then there's John Bollinger from Yayo Tequila. We're going to hear how an e-commerce specialist has taken his passion for tequila and turned it into a never-ending quest to produce some of the best tequila around. On this episode of the Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. This is the Agave Social Club podcast where we're talking about all things tequila. My name is Doug Price on today's episode, I am here with Yayo tequila's founder John Bollinger John, thank you so much for being here and welcome
1: Thank you for having me, Doug.' It's great to be here
0: John I wanted to uh, hear a little bit about your story and and what led you to start Yayo tequila
1: It was uh, when I was actually in college and going through a marketing degree and kind of what I was feel like I was getting preached in college was that you need to have a product or service that works 24 hours a day, and not just, you know, have a nine-to-five. And I was thinking, like, I've always wanted to have my own spirit. So when I did graduate, um, I had more time to, to, like, do data analysis. And when I was looking through data, I found that there was many saturations in different spirits, like gin at the time, whiskey, rum was price points too low. And then I was looking for how complex things are, like champagne or tequila, where it has to come out of the region versus, like, vodka, I think Vodka at the time had like 7,000 brands. There's no regulations on where you make it or what you make it with. So it makes it very easy to get into that category. With tequila, obviously it has to come from Jalisco. There's regulations. It's a different culture, different country. just like champagne, so there was less brands. I think there was 1,200 tequila brands at the time. So I've always loved tequila. And basically through data, you know, 10 years ago, I saw that the premium market was dying down. So this is like the Cuervos and then Patrons, like the ultra premium was there. They were crossing you know, roads yeah. and I thought, okay, well people were more educated. Basically when I finished college, I had time and my neighbor's from Mexico city. This is back when we had flip phones. There was no smartphones. We used a paper map. It was like $3 a minute to talk to anyone in Mexico on the phone. So there's no international calling plans. We didn't know anywhere we were going. Flew down to Guadalajara and just drove down to Tequila, the lowlands, and just thought we'd see distilleries off the side of the road, and we'd go into them and try to get, try the agave, not the tequila, so try the cooked agave. So we just did that repeatedly in the lowlands, and then we made our safe way back up to Guadalajara, and then we went into the highlands. But again, we were going off of a big paper map in Spanish.
0: <laughs> and uh, that, that was the business plan.
1: That was the point because there is no map on how to do this, especially, you know, this is in 2009. I got into this, and, you know, there is no thing you can read, like, what do you do? What permits do you get? Where do you even start? So I did meet with the CRT on our first visit, and they gave us a little insight on what we needed to do. But I was luckily, during that first trip, we did find the 1414, so the Blanco family very small distillery you could pass by it in a few you know a few seconds like it's not that big at all and you probably would never even notice it because at the time the trees were actually hiding the sign so I mean, you wouldn't think it's a distillery because it's so small but we saw it and we drove in and the guard wasn't there so the gates were open it's two layers of security to get in so we went in there and i you know told my neighbor i said this is what we're going to pitch and want going to try the agave we went in there and we saw juan carlos still the the gm there and he said no so he said he we would couldn't try there i got
0: he said how did you get on the grounds how did you get here
1: (laughs) yeah pretty much so it was at the end of the day the security guard must have been in the bathroom or left for the day but usually the gates are always locked there's always someone there checking you in and out for security but he wasn't there so we just went right in so we got back in the car he said you know he he relayed what juan said uh, because juan doesn't really speak english I don't speak Spanish, so I said, "Let's repitch it again." We got back out of the car, We went repitched it again, and then Juan allowed us to try a, an agave cooked on the ground, it wasn't even in the cooker; it was just on the floor. I Tried it, and it was it was the best agave I had tried at any distillery out of the cooker. So you know, making tequila is, is one thing, but if you don't start with a good uh, piña cooked with the right sugar concentration, yep. you're you're not going to really get a good tequila just like with meat or you know picking a banana that's not ripe yet and you try to eat it it doesn't have the same like starch or sugar so i knew we had to develop a relationship with them i thought they were like the perfect size too they weren't you know a ton of brands coming out of there was just a less than a dozen brands that are coming out of there at the time and it's the same way now that are still around so really small family-owned fifth generation farmers third generation distillers just a really good kind of family. So we kept on going back. And then over a year and a half of paperwork, legal stuff, focus groups. Again, I don't know what I was doing. So it was a lot of dead ends. But yeah, we went through. We got all the stuff done. I think it took ended up taking about two years with all the stuff to actually get something to the U.S.
0: Yeah. So was the plan, You know, you did not know of that distillery. You just were mm-hmm. checking out lots of different distilleries. And the plan was you, you got in. So that's step one. We, we get in. And then what did you say? You, did you say, I'm looking to make uh, a tequila and wanted to see if this would be the right fit?
1: Yep, exactly. So um, the CRT did re- want a like, kind of a business plan before I went down there to meet with them on that very first trip. So I did put together a, a plan for them. We ended up you know, not going with the plan. But it's not like they gave you like a template to fill out. You, you have to fill in what you think you're trying to do. And then there's also you know you have a lot of minimum requirements for them to even process the work. I mean, you can't just make a hundred bottles. I mean that's not doesn't enough. make sense for yeah, them yeah, it doesn't make yeah. sense for them. Then you have cap company, glass company, seal company, box Company, you have the c r t approvals with the labels, the u s. label approvals, you have the fDA. You have your import license, which we have an import license. Not everyone has import license. They use someone else's. And then you have to find distributors, and you have to get approved from the states. And then there's just all these logistics that go into it. So I didn't know any of that. I just knew I wanted to make a tequila. I love the Blancos. I love their classical music. You know, like when they're fermenting, it smells like for blocks. You can smell like smells so good. It's like in your shirt. Just it sticks with you. It just smells so great there when they're fermenting. And then the agave tastes so good. It's so good you could put it on a stick and sell it to someone. It's that good when it comes out of the cooker. So they own all their own agave. They don't source it from any other farmers. So it's they know exactly, you know, what the history is on their crops. They do the cross cropping. They do corn in between and then they do agave. They do corn. This helps with the soil recovering and then also yeah. with like now, they're also putting like agave shreds into the dirt as they're doing a new crop to help with like a natural fertilizer uh, okay. by using, you know, the shreds of the agave. So they're very big into like, you know, protecting the land, not poisoning it with uh, fertilizer or pesticides. They're trying to think about this for the next hundred years. Yeah. So this really good values and just, uh, just the right good, good people. Not It's not all about business there. One of the things they told me was we are what we do and what they do is make tequila. So they're not really concerned about being the biggest or making the most amount of money. It's, it's about making tequila. And that's it's a passion that's,
0: for them. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so you said two years, two years from start to what was at the end of those two years, having the business set up, having, cause in, in those two years, I, I've read that you were tasting a lot, you were going through to make sure that this Blanco yeah. was exactly how you wanted it. Was that within those two years or was it two yeah. years, so, just that business side?
1: So a lot of this happened in parallel. So in the story. Most of the stories, the, and even 1414, they're not going to help. Well, they did not help me with the legal side. They'll help with tequila. They're not going to help with the Mexican government or all checking on the boxes to get everything done. You're on your own pretty much where when, when it comes to that part of the business. They're there to help you with tequila, and, and that's pretty much it. And I think it's like that in most of the stories. So going down there was the first step, trying to identify you know, what the cost would be, what the minimums are kind of a general idea of what the process is. And then when I got back to the States, I realized, you know, I got about a year for the import license. That gave me time to do focus groups. And at the time I worked at Intel Corporation and my job was actually a continuous development. And my job was to go do focus groups and roundtable events all across the country. So I would do this um, in these big, big parts of the country, like uh, so like uh, New York or, or LA, and I'd meet with partners and we would basically do these face-to-face surveys and then we'd have these online surveys and then we collect the data and we take action on it. So I did the same approach towards the tequila. We tried several hundred tequilas over a long period of time. I brought them to focus groups outside of our circle so we're not saturated on just thinking the same thing. And we listened to people outside that would be buying the tequila at some point. And we did that for packaging. We did that for names. We did that for the taste. We did that for price points. And we took all this information back to Mexico and I would take all my vacations while I was at Intel. I would just take, go down to Mexico and I'd use them at that point to do that. And I'd work with Sergio Cruz and uh, actually Jose Manuel, which was the, the lead distillery at the time back then. And we would look at the notes and then we would modify the, the methods of cooking based on the notes. And then we would, I would take another you know five bottles back to the US and we would run a sample group again We'd say, what do you think about the finish? What do you think about the nose? What do you like and dislike about this? And we'd take it down there because I had time. We were going through all this import license. And and back then, there was no digital import. It was FedEx. (laughs) So FedEx to go back and forth was very difficult. There was no login to to do this thing online like there is now. So it was very slow back then. Uh, Things are probably much faster now with, with all this stuff, but...
0: Throughout that process, was there any any challenges, any times where you thought this this may not happen? Was there anything that that kind of scared you a little bit as you were getting through all of this setup?
1: Yeah. Originally we were looking at the the minimums. You have minimum amount with this story, but then you start to go into the last side and those uh, those uh, minimums don't always align to what you're trying to do with the distillery and same thing with caps same thing with seals so then you think well, what am i going to do with all this leftover stuff and then also cost X amount of money so it's it's difficult it's not like you can just keep it in mexico forever so that made a challenge Yeah. initially i thought it was going to be less money and then it turned it up end up turning into being you know, a lot more than what i thought so that was that was one of those things but i i, I knew i wanted to do this it, it's something magical about Going to the story and actually making the process from taking it out of the ground, the peanut, cutting it up, watching it get cooked, and then shred, and then get extracted, and then adding the yeast, and then having classical music played to it, and watching it ferment and pop and bubble, and then going through distillation. There's something just amazing about the process that if you haven't actually been there, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's, it makes you want to do this so I knew I had to do it life's too short that's what really pushed me to do it It was I was like I know I have something really special here let's go ahead and you know just keep doing this
0: keep moving forward with it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yo. where'd you come up with that name
1: so this this all goes down to these uh, Intel again so Intel also makes you do at the time I was in the marketing department you have to do continuous education so if it's getting a master's or going to Intel University or having a mentor you have to have basically things happening all the time so for continuing your education so i have active intel classes I, I had to attend it was mandatory and i had mentors that i had to use every single year i was there i had a new mentor one of the ones i took was a class on branding so so naming on brands and we have like pseudo name for chips before they come out to market and then you have colors that you're thinking about you're thinking about like a hundred different countries of how this would roll out of someone's tongue or if it would have a negative meaning or what that color would mean. So there's a lot that goes into a brand, especially if it's going to be used in multiple countries. So I took a class on basically naming through Intel, and part of it was like the pronunciation, spelling, how they type it, how they'd remember it, how it would roll off their tongue, how they'd order it. So there's always variables, how they would see it. So the shorter was kind of the better and then trying to like, take that term and seeing if it means something bad in Chinese or maybe in the UK and, and then also the US. And as I was going down to the list, a lot of these names were already taken. So they were already trademarked. So like an example would be like Diego. People have probably been to San Diego. They have a friend named Diego. So they said Diego. They may they, they have a memory to it. And they're easy to connect to the brand if it's something they've already said or they have a, a memory about it. So that's kind of how you draw into like a certain name. So when I was going down to this list, about a page and a half of names, we realized that a lot of these things were done. They were already trademarks. We had to come up with something basically that didn't mean anything. So we went through process elimination and we wanted to have four characters or three characters at the most. That would okay. be four. So that kind of confined our you know search parameters. And then basically we... Realized we just had to come up with a name that didn't have an English uh, name in the English dictionary, and that was Yeo yeah, was was one of them. And at the time, the original bottle it actually says to us it means traditional distilling with a modern twist. So the the first part, the Y E means traditional. The stuff inside, the juice, traditional. The Y O is the modern twist. We're not pushing margaritas. We have you know screen printing. We're using frosted bottle, which is very different for tequila. We're using yeah. a cap and not cork. Kind of very different than the other guys for we were using organic screen printing so just kind of a a very different non-traditional vibe but then it also has like the juice inside so that was kind of how we came up with it now you know i have friends in mexico their name is yayo also maybe you could say your car is very yayo in mexico it means cool okay Um, it means mother
0: Yeah, it looks good. It looks good on the bottle. It it is easy to say it it is from a branding standpoint. So earlier, you know, you you talked about uh, the Vivanco family and for anybody that that has been around tequila, they they are a, a very well known family that NOM 1414 and again, back to the NOM every bottle has an NOM number that's been assigned to them and that can you can use that to look up. You know wh- what tequilas are coming out of there and and you're in great company i mean Nam 1414 really does as you said they don't have too many brands but the brands that they do have they they really are phenomenal and really well respected and and you mentioned sergio cruz who is a master distiller and in today's culture of tequila you can look at the camarena family carlos and felipe and guillermo saza sergio cruz is, is in that same company or really, really close to being, I mean, he's one to watch. And so, uh, you know, you really have surrounded yourself with an incredible team. Before we really get into drinking it, can you just walk us through, and you've talked to some of it on that process. You know, I know you're a state agaves, Uh, we're using stone ovens, and and can you just kind of walk us through, because there is some unique things, as you even mentioned with classical music for how they're doing fermentation, but just kind of briefly walk us through from getting it to the, the agave hearts are there to now having Yeo Bronco in the glass. Yeah.
1: I would say the majority of the tequila out there, the brand owners, they're not everyone, but a, a lot of what I've seen is that they're not really in the thick of it. They just do it over email or phone and they just have them go out there and pick their agaves and then cook it. And they, they're not really like there. I make sure we're there on every single batch. I was looking at what the crops are gonna be like for harvesting in twenty twenty one on this last trip and I'll I'll keep doing that. So I, I first start with understanding the history and the land and going out and looking at the land, looking at the soil before we cut we harvest anything. So if we have some agave's that are maturing enough to go harvest, I physically go out there and look at the rows that we're possibly going to harvest. That's in critical okay. part because if the soil or if it's too close to the road, think about like something sitting for seven years and you have oil spilling over or, or exhaust or something. If it's in a remote area, it's probably going to be a better fit. Then you got to think like too, getting that soil and looking at it like is it on a hill? Is it flat? What is it next to? Is it next to a pig farm? What's been there over the last 20 years? Has it been agave, agave? Or has it been corn agave, agave? Who knows? But Understanding that's important before you harvest because that's going to change your, your starch and your sugar concentration. So that's super important. And then, too, when it comes to, so let's just say we, we've picked our crops, we've harvested it, you know, we break it up into chunks and four or five, six chunks uh, in the peanut, depending on how big it is. And then we're putting it in the oven. So we do 24 hours of steam cooking in this brick oven. And then we have the doors are shut, we turn off it. We let it sit for 24 hours, and then we open the doors, both sides, 24 hours, and let air breathe out. So that's 72 so hours, three, basically. Three
0: sets of 24, yeah.
1: Yeah. But this is important, though, because it's, you know, after this process, we then shred it, but you need to let the agave, it still has steam in here, even though you're not steaming it after the, the you know, 25th hour. It's still like, you know, resting and collecting and, and changing. It's, it's going from this not sweet- plant. I don't know if you've tried Gave without being cooked but it's, it starts off sweet but it's not sweet. It actually will make your mouth very numb. But then when you get over to the cook side, it changes it. All these sugars start popping out and it's delicious and you want to eat more of it. But then opening it up and letting air flow through it too, this is an important step as well. And then from there it goes over to a shredder and it's shredding it up and it's collecting the juice below underground and it's taking all the juice and it's just pushing down to the ground uh, in this yeah. container. And then for there, we're fermenting or we're, we're taking it into another container, two-story container. And then we're adding our, we have like a um, patented blend, but basically, basically it has uh, organic uh, champagne yeast in it and a couple other proprietary yeast that we're using in there.
0: Is that something you you decided to go with, the champagne, uh, just through your research?
1: So they've been using champagne for some of their tequilas for a okay. long time. And it does have a unique kind of taste when yeah. you, you use champagne yeast over other yeast. We have a couple other yeast that we put in there that are organic as well that that kind of make it. Now, this all came out during the focus group part. We're looking at what the note's saying on the the U.S. tongue from focus groups. What are you saying about it and how can we modify it? And this comes down to like the cooking methods. Basically, through the cooking methods, you can kind of change the profile by listening to what the data is saying. So then from there, depending on the time of the year you know, we may do like seven days with it open and then four days closed. Depends on how hot it is. Or it could be 10 days open fermenting classical music playing into it. And these speakers do play the whole time. So there are some old speakers up in the corner. And when you go up there and you feel the, you know, this two-story container, it's vibrating from the sound. So this, the classical music does have a factor on the fermenting part. Because you can feel it like shaking, and then if you look in the container, you can see it popping. And um, it's supposed to make the tequila happy. Um, okay. If you play like rock and roll, probably would make the tequila not as happy. But this Spanish classical music is is like relaxing it and, and helping it. And it's the vibrations. I do think there is the science because if there was no music playing, you would not have any vibrations happening on these two-story containers. And it does have a lot of vibration from from the bottom to the top. It is it is moving from these speakers. It's pretty cool that that's occurring. And then the sound does turn off, and we will close it for a few days, depending on the time of the year. Again, it all depends on how hot it is outside during that time. So maybe that's another four days during that. And then we go into double distillation, copper only. We distill right to. A little above 80 proof, so okay. uh, let's just say by like volume, this bottle was uh, 40.3, so 80.6 okay. 80. in proof. We do that because there is some evaporation that will happen after this step. We want to be above the government guidelines in the U.S., which is 40. Mexico yep. does not have that. It's around like 38%. 2% and even, even a half a percent does make a difference in character, in finish. It doesn't sound like a lot, but... Even 0.5 percent, it yeah, does it makes change. A difference. Things. It makes a huge difference. Some some of the stories, they go to 100 and they they back off with like with water. We go right to that 80.6, kind of a safe range because the CRT has to approve this too before you can bottle, and it has to be above that 40 proof. So from from a, after distillation is done, we then let it rest in a um, stainless steel container for about 30 to 45 days. Again, depending on what type of time of the year it is, if it's like the winter or if it's the summer. You have, again, heat factors, and that could create evaporation, which then could lower your alcohol content, which then yeah. put you in a, a thing where the CRT wouldn't approve it. and You'd have to add higher alcohol to offset that, which we don't want to do. So, yeah, so 80.6 is kind of the, or, or 40.3 is kind of the magic number. And then from there, we put the tequila up to a gravity-fed container, and it goes through a series of filters to filter out like bugs or, or anything that'd be in there because bugs do get in. And that's just a normal thing. And it filters tequila. Yeah. It, <laughs> if, yeah. So it's it, nature. It, but the cool thing is it's gravity fed. So it's not like it's getting forced through there. One other step I missed there was um, we do do oxygen. So we have a quattro port oxygen system. Right before bottling is when we would implement this. So, first batch a long time ago, we did a, a single port. A single port has a bigger port, which means it would, you know, push out more. This new one now is a, a Quattro port, but they're, they're smaller. It, it does do something a little differently for about hours. The first one we did about 24 hours of it circulating oxygen. And this is like taking a bottle of wine, opening it up and let it sit there and let it air out. It's the same thing with oxygen. It's it's not a step that has to get done. But when we go back to the focus group and the cooking notes of what the palate was saying in the U.S. is they wanted certain characters and using oxygen helps that. So the quattro port does it a lot less. I mean, we can do like maybe four hours versus 24. So this the quattro port's new for the, the bottle I have here. You should probably have the same one. It's 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 the quattro port for, for 2019 we filled. Yeah, so then from there, we go to the gravity feed, and it's up to keep up there, and it's going through and filtering out any like bugs or any, any small dirt that would might be in it. And then each bottle of yeo, only always sees uh, never has any water or anything in it. It's only cleaned with yayo from, right from the beginning. So nothing's ever been inside of it except for yayo. So they're filled upside down. It's like a dishwasher. They go up there, it cleans everything out. And then once it's cleaned, it's basically then filled with yayo. So even a one ounce of, or not even an ounce, just like a fraction of water in the bottle can change the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't know if you've gone to a store and you've seen some bubbles up here in your tequila it's because water entered into it like it or, or it's uh, maybe it's got humidity inside of it yeah but if you put even just a drop in there you're gonna see it in the neck it's gonna it's gonna pop out and it's not gonna settle right true tequila where it has nothing in the bottle you should never see any uh bubbling or these like little rings around it because it's been tequila only so something to look for i, I notice it all the time when i go to the stores i see where i like oh someone's put some water in there and You can't get it out it's it's there
0: sounds like you know for you to be you know you're here stateside and you know one day 10 plus years ago you said you you want to start this journey to create a a ultra premium blanco tequila and you could have gone and let them kind of run their thing. And you be here and you wait for those bottles. But it sounds like throughout this entire process, you're very hands on of wanting to make sure that this product here and the quality is really at a level that can really compete with any other silvers or Blancos out there. And I think one thing that we haven't touched on that is becoming larger and larger is this tequila matchmaker additive free program that Yayo is 100% additive free and just hearing you talk through you know this for a for a silver this is uh, time intensive I mean you, you're talking a long time in fermentation and cooking it all of those things just to get to to a silver that hasn't even been aged so yeah I mean kudos to you It sounds like you're you're doing it the right way and you actually are really involved in making sure that what we're sipping is is a great Blanco silver tequila
1: yeah no seven seven trips last year to do One back to Yale. Now, there was some, you know, I'm I'm trying to bring uh, more tech to the distillery. And we we, uh, have a 50 ml and we have a 375. So there was some technical challenges that the distillery wasn't able to do 50 ml. So I actually bought all the equipment, test equipment, got it approved by the CRT, got it approved by the distillery. And then I bought more of it so we could fill our first 50 50mls out of the Blanco distillery. But that, again, that's something they won't do. I had to create all of that here and then test fit it down there and make sure I met through all the requirements to fill it because they don't have a machine to fill. Yeah. We, did, we filled 8,000 little 8,150 ml bottles and then we did 27,000 bottles in three runs last year of this and we did about That's a It's a lot of work but there was no process to do this so I had to come up with it. And Another thing that they've never done is um, they always use tape to tape off their case boxes And the problem is, is people rip it and then it rips up the whole case box in the store. So we actually use glue. And then we also use, see the the box you have, it's like a a pre-fit where it's, you open up the box that locks in place. So we don't use any tape on our, our case boxes, which was very new to the story. I had to buy, you know, pro heat guns and then test the temperature, train the team how to do it, buy hundreds of sticks of glue to do that. I brought all that down from the U.S. in like uh, five suitcases. And because I didn't have a, a Mexican account to buy all these things, because I didn't have a Mexican address. So I had to buy all of it and bring it down and then teach and then go through. And we did like time studies and just there was there was a, it was, there was a lot involved to, to do it. I didn't want to stop, you know, with just the 750s. So yeah but just all of that in um, yeah. the details I mean all, yeah. all
0: of that if you didn't say it it's really easy to just you know see see the boxes that it comes in and not think twice about it but it mm-hmm. just continues to show your desire and your passion for creating an excellent product so yeah. I know I've heard I've heard the bottle where I know you've poured a little bit I, I've got someone in a glass here on the nose this smells like everything you want a yeah. silver tequila to be. I mean, that agave is there. There's some citrus in there. I, I I know there's some pepper in there. I mean, this is just pure as pure as it can get. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, bu- beautiful. And, and we'll, we'll talk more about any upcoming projects. But currently right now, you, you, you've started with the silver uh, on, on the nose. Again, that citrus is there. That agave is there. Uh, I know you just, you just took a sip. So we'll, we'll talk through some of the tasty notes while I take a sip of mine.
1: Yeah, this. So You know, every time I smell gallo, it brings me right back to the story. And every time I go down to Mexico to visit a story, I'm already dreading that I have to go back to the States. Like I'm already missing it. I do love going down there. I would have been down there a lot more this year, but because of COVID, I I didn't go down. Um, But I smell just like floral, citrus, agaves, cooked. It's just a great smell. And if you ever go down to 1414 and they're fermenting, this whole, the whole area smells like this glass. Really? It smells, it's, so it's is a this, great. Is this
0: what your clothes smell yeah. like when you, when you walk yes, out?
1: Yes, yes. So this it reminds me of being at the story. why we're fermenting, because this is what it smells like, kind of in a different way. But it's, if you do like a blind taste test and put 1414 14 like this product or other ones, I could tell you exactly which one yeah, is it because it's very prominent and there's a distinct smell to this and taste so
0: no it it smells beautiful the taste this is a excellent blanco everything that we've talked about is there Uh, i love you know you hold it in that mouth and and there's a little bit of heat there but man those flavors really just continue to deepen there's complexities there you know i I know you've on the website I, i think it said Dip, shoot, or, or mix or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you would, I don't know why you'd want to shoot this. Yeah. Uh, mixing would, would be beautiful in a margarita or a Paloma, but but this is for a silver man yeah. to sip on. It, really, really well done. And you mentioned a little bit the bottle. I, I love packaging. You said the frosted glass. I love the screw top. You don't see screw top uh, yeah. uh, too, too often, but really neat bottle, easy to hold, easy to pour. All in all, and again, at, at a price point, this is uh, somewhere in the 38, 39, $40 yep. range that th- there are other tequilas on the shelf in this range that do not even compare to what is in this bottle. So, yep. re- really excellent.
1: One, one thing I we, we forgot to talk about was the cutting the heads and tails. So, you can yield a lot more if you wait longer to cut the heads and tails. So, yeah, Yale, well, the, the problem is with getting more juice out of something is that you lose the complex part you're tasting in your mouth now if you cut shorter you're gonna yield less tequila but it's gonna have a lot more very complex like a lot going on you know other tequilas they're they're gonna be you know maybe cheaper at the same price but you're not gonna have it's not gonna be complex it's gonna be kind of simple it's definitely shows there's complex here but it, it, it costs more money to make this because it's very complex and we're, we're going after the best also too when it comes to like a hangover you're not going to get that with A.O. Yeah. When I'm about to the story, we usually drink a fifth in each during, from the beginning to the end.
0: Sounds like a lot.
1: Sounds yeah. like a lot. <laughs> if you drink water in between, you know, every sip or something, it's, it's totally fine. You will not even be drunk. As long as you have water in between each one often, you can definitely consume a fifth. Even at the elevation at 60, 600 feet above <laughs> sea level, you can still consume it as long as you're drinking water in between sips. And the next so, day you feel fine. Yeah, and and I do that every time I'm there because I'm it's kind of expected. You're you really gotta like open your palate up, and we have we have coffee beans there too. And we have goat cheese, so I'm slowly sipping from eight to maybe eight o'clock at night. You know, taking breaks too. But usually it's around a fifth. That
0: sounds dangerous and delightful all yeah. at the same time. So John, thank you for, for sharing the story. Uh, you, you, I know you do have some new things coming out. Uh, I, I've seen for, is there a Mezcal coming out and, and any other projects that you've got coming up in the next you know, year or so?
1: So yes, we are working on the framework for Mezcal. Um, I've not bottomed out on the story. I do want to have something coming out of uh, Michoacan. I feel like there's maybe too much coming out of Oaxaca right now. And the region is very different in Michoacan. It's it's many, many hours apart. And again, just like with lowlands and highlands, yeah. soil concentration is different. Elevation is different. So I am working with two distilleries in uh, Michoacan, but we have not bottomed out on, on all the variables. But I would say like next year, we'll have probably a solid partner with who we're going to use for our distillery. And then... We do plan on using some woods that not many other people are using okay. during this process. That will make it very unique. So again, it's like how much wood, how long, all those variables that go into it. So that'll be much more detailed. If we wouldn't have COVID, I would have been a lot farther along with this process for the Mescal. Now, Inejo, I was just down in Mexico uh, two or three weeks ago and we spent a lot of time on Inejo. So this is kind of what it would, it's roughly going to look like. Color-wise, But packaging somewhat look like this. So it will be very kind of similar.
0: Not frosted, a clear glass.
1: Yep. Just to really want to show off the color. We're not going to drown out the color um, and do like a crystallina or anything like that. I'm very happy with where things are going with the Indio. It is a strong, dominant chocolate taste, which I think is awesome because you don't really taste that. The American barrels and their their old Jack Daniels barrels uh, that have been charred out. But yeah. man, the chocolate is like the main thing, and then it goes into a little honey. This is what I'm tasting, and then it goes into a little vanilla, and then it finishes with chocolate. But it is like chocolate, like right there, which is which is kind of cool. You don't really taste a lot of that in a lot of vinhedos. But we're still going through, you know, how long do we let it sit and going through that first process. So first, the first batch will be five thousand liters, and uh, okay. but, you know, so we're excited about that. That'll be like a, a Q two probably a bottle in Q2, and then uh, probably available in Q3 okay. next year. And
0: that, again, is going to be, at, I mean, that's the same at 1414, so additive-free, you know, the chocolate, yep. all of those flavors are naturally happening yep. through the process yep. of making your tequila.
1: No no additives, not doing any of that. It's just going to be the, you know, it's, it's Yayo, put it in barrels, and then there's a lot that goes into it. And Yayo is very complex if you're very picky. If you're not picky, you can just say barrel it, put it in something. But if you're very particular on how things are done, you know, it, it takes time because a lot of the alcohol levels in Yale's are much higher because you have evaporation over time. So yeah. when you're trying this, you may be trying like a 49 proof. So you have to think this is at like 90, 90 oh, so 40, 49 by volume. So, you know, you have to think like it's it's tight on the tongue and it's it's very strong, but you have to think where it could lead when it's around in the 40s, in the low 40s, like maybe 41% or something by volume. But you, you also don't want to like extract that because it's still in the barrel. And uh, you got to like, how many months do you go? Every barrel is changing or every barrel has a different unique taste to it. And you could have the same barrels and they just don't taste the same. It's just, it's just how it is. So, and yeah, it was tough. It's very tough to do.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. Looking forward. So uh, Q2, Q3 of next year, yep. it'd be great to see it again, John, thank you for sharing all of this. want to make sure people can find Yayo Tequila. So go ahead. Uh, any social media website. I, I know I've seen it uh, high times uh, online. I know siptequila.com. They, they actually were just recently on the show and, and they've got a great platform as well where, where you can get it very easily through their website, but uh, where, where else can we find social media and, and find Yayo?
1: yayotequila.com for uh, yeah instagram facebook or, or just yayotequila.com but anything with the app yayotequila.com sip tequila has been an awesome partner so far we've just started working with them over the last like three weeks high time is great if you live in california if you want to get something delivered in the next day they'll do all of california okay and then old town uh old town's great too they'll ship to yeah. uh, i think, think right now they're renewing their licenses on a lot of things so it's it's been kind of tough to get product out to certain areas. And it's been a little bit slower, but I think it's because they're doing their contracts on where they can ship to. But Sip Tequila has been very responsive and fast. And, and same thing with high time. We're in Pennsylvania. We're in Massachusetts. It's like Boston area. We're in California. We're not in any big chains yet. We're in Oregon. We're in um, all the Leeds Liquors in Vegas. We just got in New Hampshire. And then Connecticut, Just we just got to a power delivered to connecticut so they're going to start hitting the ground and we just got approval in new jersey they kick off uh january 1st and then we just got approval in new york so they're kicking off in december 1st so it's it's starting to get out there but For the most part, I think online's the best way to go
0: right now. Okay. Yeah, so tequila.com. Check it out. Anybody listening, this is an excellent tequila. This is an excellent silver that you definitely want to have in your collection. It's priced very well to have, again, to sip on or to mix, but beautiful, beautiful tequila. Uh, And and I'll have links to some of those sites uh, when when this airs to make sure people can get it. So, John, I want to thank you again. Salute to an excellent silver tequila.
1: Thanks, Doug. Thanks a lot.
0: A big thanks to John Bollinger and Yayo Tequila. I have my affiliate link in the description if you want to purchase a bottle of Yayo. And depending on where you live, it'll be shipped straight to your door. Using that link helps support the show, which I'm extremely grateful for. You can follow me on Instagram, where I'm the most active, at Agave Social Club. And as always, thanks for listening.